presented by Pharma. Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It is Friday, May 12th, the date for the widely expected Part 2 of the debt limit negotiations at the White House, except they were postponed till next week. So what's driving the day in Washington instead is that overnight, as clocks struck midnight, Title 42 officially expired, and that marks the end to the COVID-era policy that has been used by the federal government these last three years to expel migrants from the United States. In its absence, experts expect to see a major influx of new asylum seekers crossing the Mexican border and straining resources at facilities along its nearly 2,000-mile length. In raw numbers, that means that the number of border crossings will probably roughly double to around 10 to 13,000 migrants arriving each day. There's both a policy and a political element to that. Joining me to discuss that is Ryan Lizza. Ryan, good morning. Good morning, Zach. So the politics of this are somewhat dicey for Biden. You know, what are you seeing the administration do as Title 42 expires? And where do you think they're going from here? Look, Title 42 was a COVID era restriction. Even the World Health Organization has acknowledged that the emergency is over. So there's no reason to keep Title 42 happening, despite a lot of Republican protest. It doesn't make sense under the law anymore. Activists have been on Joe Biden since day one of his administration to stop these Title 42 expulsions. So this was a long time coming. On immigration, they have always tried to walk this delicate, delicate line between the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, which has grown much more vocal on, on issues of, of immigration and is much more about immigrant rights than it was 10 years ago when he and Obama tried to pass a comprehensive immigration bill. He was attacked pretty viciously for the Obama-era deportation policy. They've tried to respond to where the left is on this issue. And both messaging-wise and policy-wise, I do think they're trying to move to a slightly more centrist position. And that's certainly what comes out of this interview we did this week with Representative Cuellar, who is one of the lonely centrists in the Democratic Party on this issue. And he's not only a lonely centrist within the party, he's one of the few Democrats now from a border district in, in yeah. Area of the country that swung generally pretty hard towards Donald Trump in the 2020 election, though I know his district is a little different than that overall trend. What did you hear from him about the reality there on the border and maybe how it's different or how the politics of the issue are perhaps different there versus in the rest of the country? Yeah, so Quire's the son of Mexican migrants, and he represents a, a district that stretches from San Antonio to Laredo and encompasses 200 miles of the uh, U.S.-Mexico border. Unlike some other districts, he did not have trouble in the general election. He, you know, he won by a, a huge margin. He's had trouble. In the primary, because the last two cycles, national progressives have targeted him. He's sort of been on that list of, of centrists that they want to get rid of. Immigration is just one of the issues for him. But he didn't support the House bill this week. It's not like he's that far right on, on immigration. No Democrats supported the House bill in that vote on Thursday. And in our conversation, he talked certainly talked about parts of the bill that he liked. He has spent the two plus years of the Biden administration being frustrated with Biden 
both in the sort of messaging and the policy. He thinks that the Biden administration, and he says this in our interview, pays too much attention to the progressive activists on this issue, pays too much attention to the NGOs and the the immigrant rights activists, and not enough messaging on the enforcement side. So that's where his head is. And, you know, frankly, a lot of Democrats were where he is 10 years ago, and the the party has moved. So setting aside the the Quaylara interview for a moment, as you look to see how this issue develops in the days to come and maybe in the weeks to come, what is it that you're going to be paying attention to as Biden tries to navigate this rather dicey political issue? I mean, the most important thing is what is the border surge going to look like? Is it going to be at crisis levels? I think in our interview, Quayar, he talks to a lot of CBP folks and gets you know daily updates on unlawful border crossings, and they've been at like 10,000 plus a day this week. So does that surge under the new policy where thousands of asylum seekers who can't be quickly processed, who are led into the United States, are they going to be a management crisis for the Biden administration? Are they not going to be able to deal with the number of people who are coming? Are these border towns going to be overwhelmed? Are are Republican lawmakers going to continue to bus people to blue states and cities to sort of prove a point about this? I think that that's the biggest issue is how much of a surge is there and how does the Biden administration handle it? You know, they, they say they have a plan. There has been a lot of additional funding actually to deal with this stuff in the, in the last couple of years. That's the thing to watch for is does this surge create a policy and political crisis for the Biden administration? Thanks, Ryan. We'll leave it there. Thanks, Zach. And for your schedule today, the Senate is in, the House is out. At 10 a.m., President Biden will receive the president's daily brief, and at 2 p.m., he will hold a bilateral meeting with Spanish President Pedro Sanchez. Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre and Mitch Landrieu will brief at 1 p.m. And congratulations to Politico's video team for being recognized with two national headliner awards. It's one of the oldest and largest journalistic contests in the industry. And yesterday, the Politico show on Snapchat took home first place in the social media category, while an episode of our midterm video series, Inside the Forecast, won second place in an online video news category. Congrats, guys. For an expanded schedule of everything happening in D.C. today, and for more reporting, check out Playbook this morning at politico.com playbook. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening. Middlemen, like PBMs, say they want lower prices, yet they often deny or limit coverage of lower-cost generics and biosimilars while giving preferential coverage to medicines with higher prices. This might be good for their bottom line, but it can lead to higher costs for patients. It's time to lower costs for patients by holding middlemen accountable. More at pharma.org slash PBMS.